As we get started today, I feel that I need to share something with you, uh, something that most men would never admit. Actually, there's three things I need to share with you that most men would never admit. The first one is this. I'm pretty sure I have the worst sense of direction of anyone in this room. Most men wouldn't tell you that. The second thing is, I've never learned how to properly read a map. Again, most men wouldn't tell you that. Now, roadmaps I've kind of figured out. Um, I realize that this far is actually about five miles. Okay, I've got that. Uh, but there are other maps that still confuse me, like the map at the mall. I don't know how you read that thing. <laughs> More maps. The, the trail maps, topographical maps, really confuse me because they got not just trails and roads and lines, but then they got circles all over them. And I got to figure that out. I'm at a loss for understanding these maps. The problem with understanding a trail map is that if you don't understand it, it makes it kind of difficult to hike like on the Appalachian Trail, which is a project I'm continually working on with my son. And so so if you don't understand what the map is telling you, it makes it very difficult to know where you are when you're on the trail. The third thing I need to share with you is because of my horrible sense of direction and my lack of map reading skills, I have to ask for directions a lot. I have no shame in pulling over and asking how to get somewhere uh, or at the mall asking where this store is because looking at that map is just not worth it to me. Now in my car, the app of choice for me is called Scout. And this is not a plug for Scout, but it is a great GPS app. And Scout takes me anywhere I want to go and it brings me home. The only problem with that is on the Appalachian Trail, a GPS is not always your friend. They only last as long as the battery, and then you got to charge it back up and, you know, or carry more batteries. It becomes not uh, a good idea. Uh, so you either have to understand and learn how to understand and read the maps, or you have to know people that understand and read the trail maps and the topographical maps, and then you have to trust that they are leading you in the right direction. But the reality is, is this. I need to learn how to study and understand a trail map and a topographical map better Because I may not always have those people hiking with me. And my ignorance and my non-understanding of a map is a poor excuse for endangering myself and my son as we go out to hike on the Appalachian Trail. I've come to realize it is my responsibility to learn the right way to read and understand these tools called maps. Because only by understanding a map will I be able to safely hike on the Appalachian Trail. But you know, I think the same is true with the Word of God. God has given us a roadmap for living the Christian life, and that map is sound doctrine. Uh, Basically, the Bible itself is our map, and we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about that this whole month. Before we get into that, will you pray with me? Father God, I I thank you that that we can be here, that that we are able to to open your word, the the map that you have given us for for life on earth that will, will lead us to eternity in heaven with you and I pray as we do that, that we won't be distracted by the things we feel like we need to do later or something we forgot to do yesterday, but that we will, we will look at your word, that we will apply it to our lives, that we will see it as, as the tool that it is to, uh, to just help us navigate the course of our life better. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, if the Bible is our map, then it's our responsibility to learn how to read and study and understand this map. And let me be more direct. 
Christian, it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to read and study and understand this map called the Bible. Because only in doing that as individuals can we understand sound doctrine and grow Christ's church the way that he has designed it. Do you believe that it's your responsibility? Let me ask you that question real quick. Show of hands. Do you believe it's your responsibility? All right, seven of you do. Good. So there was more than seven for people listening online. Um, I'm glad you believe that. It is your responsibility. If you are a Christian, I believe it's, it's your responsibility. I'm, I'm going to throw out some scriptures to you. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus commands us to make disciples. In 1 Peter 4.10, Peter calls us to use our gifts to serve others. In Jude 20 and 21, Jude tells us to build ourselves up in the faith. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, chapter, chapter 4, verse 13 and 15, says, Set the example of how we should speak the truth in love so that the church will become mature. You see, just with these few verses, we can see how the responsibility to build a healthy church is not just in the staff and elders and the leadership of a church, but it's, it's your responsibility to be a part of that healthy church growth. The one key ingredient to building a healthy church is actually a very simple one, and, and I've said it already, it's sound doctrine. And there's so much to say about sound doctrine, we're going to talk about it the whole month and, and how it factors into different areas of our lives so that we can truly experience God. You know, it seems that in our world today, doctrine is one of those things that actually causes collision and division between churches. Some people have said that doctrine distracts us from the real work of evangelism. You may have heard that as you've talked with other friends. It's also been said that doctrine is important for pastors and elders to understand, but not really for anybody else. I've been told that by people. I'm like, wow. I think that understanding sound doctrine is the responsibility of every individual Christian. Just like it's, it's, my, it's important for my physical safety to learn to understand and how to understand and how to read and follow a topical hiking map. That's important for me. It's even more important that we all learn and understand how to read and follow the Bible. That your spiritual safety depends on it. Another thing about sound doctrine, knowing it isn't enough. Just knowing sound doctrine is not enough. It's, it's living it. It's applying it to our daily lives. Me understanding a topographical map doesn't mean anything. It doesn't change anything if I never take it out of my backpack, read it and study it and apply what I've learned while I'm hiking on the trail. It doesn't mean anything if I leave it there. It's just a worthless piece of paper. And the same is true with the Word of God. If you don't take it out, if you don't read it, if you don't study it, if you don't apply it to your life, it's just a worthless piece of paper. Yeah, I didn't need that one. <laughs> if you want to know where you're going in life, physically and spiritually, if you want to truly experience God in your life, you need sound doctrine. Here's an example. If you don't develop in your walk a foundation that's based on sound doctrine and understanding Scripture, how will you really know if I'm preaching and teaching the truth? You won't. I can tell you all kinds of stuff. And if you're not reading your Bible, you're not going to know the difference. You won't ever know. Don't ever think that just because someone stands up and starts preaching, that they're preaching sound doctrine. One of my Bible professors in college used to say to me, well, he said to all of us, he, we were going through the, uh, the gospel of Christ, and, and that whole uh, harmony of the gospels was the class. And he would constantly say to us, Professor Bourne, he would say, don't take my word for it. Look at the scriptures and know for yourself. And when he was preaching to people, he would say, don't take my word for it. Look for yourself. Now, I promise you this. I will never purposely pervert the gospel. 
I will never preach on purpose against anything that Scripture says, but I do know that I'm prone to make mistakes every once in a while. I also know... (laughs) That was one too many amens on that one. Man. I hope they throw those out when I start talking about money in a couple months, Larry. Just come on. I also know that in our world today, though, there are ministries that are built on things other than sound doctrine. And, and this is nothing new. These things have been around for ages, uh, actually going on, on for centuries. I want to look at what Paul says to, th- to Timothy about sound doctrine. So turn, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, today I'm using the contemporary English version of the Bible. Uh, starting in verse 1, he says, When Christ Jesus comes as king... He will be the judge of everyone, whether they are living or dead. So with God and Christ as witnesses, I command you to preach God's message. Do it willingly, even if it isn't the popular thing to do. You must must correct people and point out their sins, but also cheer them up. And when you instruct them, always be patient. The time is coming when people won't listen to good teaching. Instead, they will look for teachers who will praise them By telling them only what they are itching to hear. Verse 4. They will turn from the truth and eagerly listen to senseless stories. But you must stay calm and be willing to suffer. You must work hard to tell the good news and to do your job well. Know that the time has come for me to die. My life is like a drink offering being poured out on the altar. I have fought well. I have finished the race and I have been faithful. So a crown will be given to me for pleasing the Lord. He judges fairly. And on the day of judgment, he will give a crown to me and to everyone else who wants him to appear with power. Paul says right here, I am at the end of my journey. He's at the end of his life's journey. He knows where he's been. He knows where he is headed. And he wants Timothy to be sure of what he is teaching and saying to people. And he warns Timothy that, that people will not always reach, or excuse me, that people will not always preach sound doctrine. Verse 3, the time is coming when people won't listen to good teaching. Instead, they will look for teachers who will please them by telling them only what they are itching to hear. They will turn from the truth and eagerly listen to senseless stories. Did you catch that? They in those verses means, means you. It means people. Meaning that people will look for teachers who will please them by telling them only what they are itching to hear. Uh, they, again, the people will turn from the truth and eagerly listen to senseless stories. You see, sound doctrine is just as much your responsibility as it is mine. Because if you're grounded in sound doctrine, you're not going to turn from the truth. If you're grounded in sound doctrine, you're not going to allow people to come in and tell you things that aren't correct and that aren't true. And just so you know, I don't ever plan on being one of those people who, who preach what you want to hear. I'm not an entertainer. I'm a messenger. And my message is simple. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's brought to us through understanding the scripture and how we should apply it to our lives and share it with our community. And when we commit to learning and understanding sound doctrine as individuals, we will not only experience God ourselves, but as a congregation, we will experience God. And as a congregation, we'll have the understanding and the desire to help our community understand and experience God. But... And this is the kicker. Just because we may have sound doctrine doesn't mean that we're going to impact our community. Because the reality is, most people who are away from Christ don't know about the differences of the church. 
They don't know why there are so many different churches. They don't, they don't understand the different doctrines. They don't understand the different buildings. And the reality is they really don't care about those things. My experience when meeting hurting people is they will accept almost any doctrine. They'll accept any message if they think the people sharing it are sincere and care about them. And that's dangerous in our society. Have you ever escaped from a cult? Anyone? No. All right. I was watching, I watch a lot of shows. Uh, I like a, a lot of reality TV shows. And, and I, I got into this little series about people who were, who were coming out of cults. It was, it was a few years back. And, and the, the, what I noticed with these people, and, and they, they all would say, as I escaped from this group or as I escaped from this cult, they always said this. But in the beginning, the people were so nice and they were so understanding of my situation. There was no judgment. Because I was sitting on the side of the road in rags. There was no judgment because of, of my past experience. The people were understanding. No one ever escapes from a cult-like experience and says, you know, I was hurting. I was hurting so bad and their doctrine and their beliefs were so pure and so true that I felt compelled to join them. They never say that. It never happens that way. And that's why I say this. A hurting world, uh, to a hurting world, doctrine doesn't matter. But to you, Christian, to the people that hold God's word in their hand continually, every day, sound doctrine matters. And if we want it to matter in our community, if we want it to matter in our schools, if we want it to matter at our jobs, then there are some things that we need to do first. First off, we need to read and understand our map. We need to know the word of God on an individual basis. And then we need to take what we have learned and we need to use it. Because we need to love boldly. We need to connect unselfishly to the people around us. We need to serve humbly. We need to share unconditionally. And we need to strive to maintain unity with one another while we do these things. Because here's the deal. When people know how much you care about them, then they're going to care how much you know. All right? And, and we, are, we have something that is much more valuable than a cult-like experience. We've got a life-saving message to give to people. We can't hold that back. When our community knows that Huntsville Christian Church cares about them, then something like sound doctrine will begin to matter to them. And we will see in their spiritual growth how sound doctrine is for the life of not just the individual, but for the life of the church. I want to share another example with you of why sound doctrine is for the life of the church. In Titus chapter 2, verse 1, Paul instructs Titus in a few things. I want to encourage you, if you don't do anything else this week, read Titus, chapter 1 and chapter 2. They're not very long, but read these. This is what Paul instructs Titus about. Um, uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse 1, he says, You must teach only what is correct. Don't make stuff up. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Teach what is correct. Then in the next five verses, he describes how different groups of people in the church should live and relate to one another. Verse 2, he tells Titus, older men should have self-control to be serious and sensible in their faith, in their love and patience. They should never fail on those things. They should never fail. Men, we need to be building accountability with one another about those things and sharpening one another in that same regard. Verses 3 through 5, it says, older women to behave as those who love the Lord should. They must not gossip or be slaves of wine. They must teach what is proper so the younger women will be loving wives and mothers. 
Younger women must be sensible and kind, as well as a good homemaker who puts her husband first. Then no one can say insulting things about God's message. Listen, Christians, when we're loving each other the way we should, when we have sound doctrine as the basis for our families, our our marriages, the way we're raising our kids, nobody can say anything insulting about God's message because we're living it boldly. Verse 6, younger men, you're not off the hook. I love this. It's very simple. It says, you should be self-controlled in everything. Boy, that really would have put me at a loss when I was younger. Somebody would have shared that to me. I was just out there. (laughs) Young men, you should be self-controlled in everything. You know what? If you're self-controlled in everything, you're going to treat the young women in your life with respect. When you're self-controlled with everything, you're going to honor your mother and your father automatically. You're not going to look for what you have, what you can gain. That, that one simple verse of being self-controlled in everything, young men, that's a challenge, and I'll, I'll be praying for you on that. Verse 7, always set a good example. This is church-wide. Always set a good example. Be sincere when you teach. Use clean language that no one can criticize. Do this, and your enemies will be too ashamed to say anything against you. And you know what? It all starts with a very simple uh, command. Teach what is correct. That sound doctrine. Teach what is correct. That's quite a task for a young pastor. Titus is to teach the church in Crete to walk in the path that sound doctrine marks out for them. Their lives, our lives, are to color in the outlines that sound doctrine provides. I like to sum this up in two words. Honor God. All we have to do is honor God. As as we go through this month, We're going to look at how sound doctrine should flow, not just through us as individuals, but through the whole life of the church. How sound doctrine will nourish us with things like holiness. How sound doctrine will help us to understand love and unity and worship and how we witness. We're going to see how sound doctrine is needed for us to accomplish our mission statement here at Huntsville Christian Church, which is to love boldly, connect unselfishly, serve humbly, and to share unconditionally and to strive to maintain unity with others while we do these things. Sound doctrine is not only for the life of each individual Christian, but sound doctrine is for the life of the whole church. And that whole church is not right here. It's universal. It's God's church. Sound doctrine is for the whole church. As we come into our response time, I'd like to encourage you to think on a few things um, that that you've heard today. I don't know where you are, Christian, as an individual. But if you're struggling with some of that, if, if you're struggling with the fact that maybe you've, you've allowed less than average doctrine into your life because it's a more comfortable way to live, and maybe that's something you need to let go of today. I don't know. But we're at this point where you've heard God's word and it's just a small nutshell of it. And I hope you'll go back and look at these chapters and these verses later this week and really open it up and expound on it yourself. Maybe from hearing God's word, what you, what you need is to be baptized, to give yourself over to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Come, come forward. Then maybe if you still have some questions about salvation and baptism, we can talk about that later on, talk about it more. Maybe your response is one of repentance. Maybe you've realized that, that you've allowed just mediocrity into your life. And it's separating you from God. That's what Satan likes. Satan loves mediocre Christians. 
because they're no threat to him. They show up, they hang out, they go home. They're no threat. And if you've allowed mediocrity into your Christian life, maybe your response today is one of repentance and, and rededication to get back on that track of sound doctrine. Or maybe you just need prayer about the season of life that you're in. The elders are here. We even have a private place that, that you can go out and, and sit and talk with them and pray. Maybe your response is you want to partner with us here at Huntsville Christian Church, that you want to be with us as we go into our community, as we show them the love of Jesus. If that's you, come during this time. But we also want to take this time. We want to respond to what we have heard from God's word by having communion. And I want to share some thoughts with you about communion as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says, I've already told you what the Lord Jesus did on the night he was betrayed. And it came from the Lord himself. He took some bread in his hands. Then after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given to you. Eat this and remember me. After the meal, Jesus took a cup of wine in his hands and he said, This is my blood. And with it, God makes his new agreement with you. Drink this and remember me. Verse 26, the Lord meant that when you eat this bread and drink from this cup, that you tell about his death until he comes. But if you eat the bread and drink the wine in a way that isn't worthy of the Lord, you sin against his body and blood. That's why you must examine the way you eat and drink. As we have this time of response and as the praise team plays this song, I want you to think on these things. I want to challenge you to really examine yourself. And, and, and I need to put out there that, that to examine is different than to compare. Because it's our human nature to compare ourselves to the people around us. And we can look around and I can say, well, I had a bad week, but I was nothing like this guy over here. I know what he was on the news. You know, we can compare because that's what we do. But, but the reality is when we examine, when, when you go to the doctor, I appreciate that the instruction here is to examine ourselves because it means to look closely at something. When you go to the doctor and they examine you, they're looking to see how close our bodies are to working properly or perfectly, depending on what's going on. And when we examine ourselves spiritually, that's what we need to be doing. As, as we prepare to have this time, I want to challenge you, because the only example we have to really examine ourselves against is Christ. As we come to this response time, I just examine yourself. When you see an imperfection of your week or your life or something that maybe happened, Take a moment. Ask God for forgiveness. Ask Him for redirection. During this time of remembering what Christ has done for us, I want to encourage you to ask forgiveness where needed. Seek restoration. When you've done those things, come and, and have communion. Being grateful that our God made a way for us to be free from sin. And now Christ is preparing a place for us in heaven. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we come to this time and response... As we come to this time to have communion, remembering that the, the bread is your body and the juice is your blood and these things were given for us. You didn't have to, but you loved us first and you loved us most and, and you did it so that there would be a reason or a way for us to be with you for eternity. Pray that we'll remember that, that we'll examine ourselves well. Lord, forgive us our sins, our shortcomings at this time and help us to start fresh today, to be restored. Help us to seek the things that you give us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.